0: VoiceAmericaBusiness.com.
1: You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration for leaders who are making their visions happen. And we'll set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner.
2: Good morning. I'm Kate and I'm here this morning with Rick Carson, who is the author of the classic book, Taming Your Gremlin, a surprisingly simple method for getting out of your own way. This book has been selling steadily for more than 30 years, which is a testament to how helpful people really find it. I think I first read it 10 years ago, and I've often given it to clients and friends over the years. It's a staple in my coaching practice. Rick is a counselor, a coach, and a trainer for mental health professionals, businesses, and nonprofit organizations. And his work is used to train people across many different professions, from educators and therapists to clergy and corporate executives. He's the founder of the Gremlin Taming Institute in Dallas, Texas. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life, Rick.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure. I'll tell you what, to be a part of this show is a real, uh, real honor, Kate. I mean, you're a, seasoned leadership coach in your own right, and with a heck of a reputation, so thanks for having me.
2: Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. This is a um, fulfillment of some dream, I'm sure I have, because I've been working with your material for so long, and it's so good. So I want to make the connection today um, for our listeners between um, manifesting your dreams, in other words, visioning, and then make your vision real, and this inner critical voice in your head that is most likely holding you back, or at least it holds most of us back at one point or another. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I'm hoping, Rick, as we're talking, that we'll be able to help people connect how the inner narrative that they have running um, all the time is contributing toward their success or potentially sabotaging it. And so I want to start off by asking you to tell us a bit about your work and this whole gremlin concept.
3: Oh, sure. Well, Let's see, I've been uh, in the field for about 40 years, actually not for about. It's really frightening. This is my uh, 40th year doing this work and uh, I developed the gremlin taming method in the early 70s because I noticed that no matter what somebody presented with, uh, whether it was some kind of strained relationship or severe loss or emotional trauma or a really tough transition, that ultimately it got down to this duality, uh, an, an inner conflict between a part of them, or I'm going to speak very personally for a minute, well, all of us, let me say it like that,
0: mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. A part of us and that nemesis of the mind, that dark side. You know, there is a, an inner game that goes on and it's inherent in really in every activity from climbing Mount Everest to getting a good night's sleep. You know, it comes up all the time. But I, I want to comment on what you mentioned earlier, the whole thing about uh, the the narrative in one's head. And be mm-hmm. very clear that the gremlin-taming method is not just about replacing negative messages with positive messages. Uh, in other words, it's not like a Tom and Jerry cartoon with an angel on one shoulder and a devil and or gremlin on the other. Because in that dialogue, resolving that dialogue that a lot of people try to do, I can guarantee you in that dialogue, even the angel will become a gremlin. The gremlin timing method is about learning to get a sliver of light between who you really are on the inside, which is absolutely beautiful. It doesn't need to be positively affirmed or positively thought about. It is glorious. Getting a sliver of light between that and all of your ideas about who you think you are. Any concept is limiting, okay, because it's a concept. It's a belief. It's an opinion that we've developed loyalty to. And even a really juicy one, a really noble one, will get in one's way eventually.
2: Yes. So this idea of a sliver of light between, um, you know, one's self and a concept is yep. to say objectivity, right? The ability to, to be a little detached and from, from self. That's is that right. what you mean?
3: It's a, there's a point of, uh, Fritz Perls had a good term for it creative indifference. I think of it as loving detachment, where, as you know, a part of the gremlin taming method, uh, has to do, and it's really a key tool in the gremlin taming method, has to do with what we call simply noticing. Well, simply noticing has to do with paying attention. Same kind of attention you'd pay to a good movie or to, you know, any something going on around you. Mm-hmm. Well, paying attention to what's going on around you is fairly easy. Paying attention to what's going on in your body is, mm, Pretty easy, but actually paying attention to your very own concepts, your beliefs, your opinions about yourself and how the world works as they're playing through your head is pretty tricky. It takes a little practice.
2: It surely does. I can speak from personal experience on that. So, Rick, what is a gremlin? I have, I have, um, extracted kind of some words from your book um, for the yep. sake of our listeners who might be just new to this whole concept. But let's hear it from you. What's a gremlin?
3: Your gremlin is that sleazy little no-goodnik that lurks in the shadows of your very own mind. And <laughs> I, I'm telling you, left to do his thing or her thing. Uh, I'll use the male pronoun in reference to my own gremlin. Left mm-hmm. to do his thing, he's going to zap your health Seriously, Mm. destroy your relationships, dampen your creativity, hamper your productivity, and actually send you tumbling into low-down funks and anxious fits. Your gremlin is not cute. That's something I want to make very clear. And I also want to make clear to your listeners, some of whom may be coaches and therapists who are familiar with the gremlin timing method, that your gremlin is not your negative thoughts and not your traumatic past experiences. Your gremlin is the one who uses them. He's not your fears. He's the one who taunts you with them, who weaves them into a horror movie and then seduces you into watching that movie. (laughs) Your gremlin is your gremlin by virtue of his intention. He's not a cute little character. You know, he's out to eat your lunch. It it never stops.
2: You're describing your gremlin, uh, the gremlin as... um, almost like a consciousness of its own you know? in a,
3: in a way that that's true until you begin to bring it into your awareness until you begin to simply notice it and once you begin to simply notice again there's several things to pay attention to Kate but as you begin to simply notice uh for instance just that you're not feeling terrific on the inside Now, I'm not talking about just feeling sad or angry. Those are natural human emotions. But when there's an anguish, when when your breathing gets shallow and there's a tightness that develops within you and sometimes a nausea with people, Mm -hmm. when that stuff starts to happen, if you really will attend, really pay attention to precisely how in your mind's eye that monster of the mind is contributing to that misery, even if you're not the one causing it. How you're contributing to it, it'll mm-hmm. either be via a fear, a horror movie, a regret,
0: mm-hmm.
3: a put down of oneself, a clinging on to one's resentment. Mm-hmm. Okay? or it will be simply because one is trapped in a hypnotic preconviction one of those concepts I talked about earlier about who one is it'll be one of those things sometimes a combination but the beautiful thing Kate is as you begin to just notice that if it no longer fits for you whether it's a concept or whether it's a regret if, if once you become aware of how you're contributing to your own pain, to your own misery, there is a natural correction that starts to occur. In the same way you learn to walk and talk, it's very, it's very natural. You simply notice.
2: So I love this. I mean, this is one of the things. You're, you know, you're the title of your book, I mean, a surprisingly simple method for getting out of your own way. Uh-huh. Simply noticing, I think, is part of the surprisingly simple. Aspect of your method, really, and
3: it is simple but not easy.
2: Simple but not easy, exactly. And yet, what happens when we notice? You know, if you bring your attention to some aspect of your your inner narrator, for example, what what happens? What does that do?
3: Yeah, that's a beautiful question, Kate. And it really gets down to the the nitty gritty. At the point you shine a bright spotlight on. How you're getting in your own way in the moment that you're getting in your own way. Whether you see it as the monster of the mind or you, you know, once you become aware that you're contributing to your pain, you're jabbing your own thumb in your own eye, it kicks into play what I call the Zen Theory of Change.
0: Mm.
3: Which is, as far as I'm concerned, a law of the universe. Simply stated, <laughs> sounds something like this. I free myself not by trying to free myself. I see people who are quite crazy at that. They develop new, new shoulds. You know, mm-hmm. I free mm-hmm. myself not by trying to free myself. I free myself by simply noticing how, not why, how I am imprisoning myself in the very moment in which I am imprisoning myself. Let me say it again real quickly. I Free myself not by trying to free myself, but by simply noticing how I am imprisoning myself in the very moment in which I am imprisoning myself. It's in other words, you don't get out of the cage by bending the bars of the cage to escape. you just you get out of the cage by catching yourself in the act of building the cage and then hmm. it starts to evaporate.
2: I think that that is um that is indeed a Zen. Theory of change and, yeah. and when you're in the moment, right, to have the presence of mind to, to notice what you're doing, what you're thinking, mm. how you're operating, that's, that's it.
3: That's it. That's, it's really, uh, you know, the, the gremlin timing method has 16 key principles and a lot of strategies, but the, the key is to remember you want to feel at peace in this life and that it's an inside job. And here is how you play the inside job. You begin with simply noticing. And it takes practice, you know. It really Mm -hmm. takes practice. Uh, The good news Mm -hmm. is not only as you practice do you start stringing together, and this is a guarantee, more and more and more really gratifying moments in this life, but each of those gratifying moments becomes more gratifying. (laughs) That's what I like about it. It's really uh, there's a there's a purity to. uh, Believe me, I've got the attention span of a three year old. I wouldn't have uh, (laughs) stuck with this for any length of time if it wasn't working. It didn't
2: work. Um, Well, we're going to take a break in another minute or or so, but I i um I want to just I'm going to read a little uh, from your book or this is sort of an extract from your book um, for those who are new to this concept of the Gremlin um, Rick you've done such a great des- job describing this, but it's such a powerful idea. so what is a gremlin? It's that narrator in your head who's influenced you since you came into this world and who accompanies you throughout your entire existence. He tells you who and how you are and defines and interprets your every experience. He wants you to accept his interpretations as reality, and his goal is to squelch the natural, vibrant you within. Your gremlin wants you to believe he has your best interest at heart, and his purpose is to serve and protect you. His intention is less honorable. It's to make you miserable. His caution about life and living is not inordinate, and his methods of control are overzealous. Your gremlin is not your negative thoughts. He's the source of them. He's not your less-than-positive past experiences. He uses them. He's not your fears. He taunts you with them by creating the horror movie about your future that you sometimes watch. So, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to dig into more about what to do with your gremlin. We'll be right back.
4: Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now toll free 866 472 5790. That's 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network.
1: Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com.
4: Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? the bottom line in business.
1: You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to VisionaryLeader at NeboCompany.com. Now, back to today's program.
2: Welcome back. This is Kate Ebner, your host, and today my guest is Rick Carson, counselor, coach, and author of the long-selling classic, Taming Your Gremlin, A Surprisingly Simple Method for Getting Out of Your Own Way. We're going to give away a copy of this book to the first person and also to the tenth person who email us at visionaryleader@nebocompany.com with a comment about the show. So it can be a question, it could just be a comment. Um, We'd love to share your comment on air today. Um, Even if you comment after the show has run live, if you're the 10th or the 1st, we'll be glad to send a copy. Please write to us. Um, Rick and I have been talking about this concept of the gremlin, this this understanding of the metaphor of the gremlin as something we can really work with to get it out of our own way. And you know, Rick. Before the break, we were talking about the power of simply noticing the gremlin and the Zen theory of change, which is yes. to sort of catch yourself in the act. Um, and I'm I'm curious, you know, as uh, I would go back to the simply noticing. I think. And um, what happens when we notice? You know, I, I always say to my coaching clients, you know, when you notice, when you have awareness, you can make new choices. Is that where you go with this?
3: Yes, except that the most Beautiful thing is that you know the second step in the Gremlin Timing method is to to then play with options. But the beautiful thing is the main option is just to notice. In other words, I've been training uh, you know life coaches, executive coaches, psychotherapists for, as I said, four decades. And I this is a generalization, Kate, but the 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 mistake I see people making the most often. Is to jump quickly to the play with options part. You know, Uh to, to make some effort to try to change. I'm telling you, if you will bring into your awareness, if your listeners will, how they are contributing to their own pain in the very moment They're contributing to their pain. There's a, really become aware. You shine a bright spotlight on it. And there's some, there's some tricks about how to do that, which we can cover. Mm -hmm. But as you shine a bright spotlight on how you're getting in your own way, fear, regret, put down, resentment, trapping yourself in a concept, if that thing, well, I was going to say if it no longer works for you, there's an, there's an absurdity that develops. In other words, if I'm sitting here scaring the dickens out of myself about something, oh, my God, I'm going to forget my, you know, halfway to a sentence, I'm going to lose it. Kate's going to hate me. She's going to slam, slam the <laughs> phone down and it's all over but the shouting. My career's going down the tubes. If I become aware of a fantasy like that and I accentuate that horror movie, there's probably going to be an absurdity to it. A natural absurdity, but you know, even if if it's not absurd, even if the fantasized outcome could happen, what will become absurd, glaringly absurd, is that I'm spending precious moments of my own life sitting here jabbing my own thumb in my own eye, and as an organism, any organism on the planet, human being, whatever it is, a cell, wants to be in balance strives to be in balance. At the point you become aware of how you're throwing yourself out of balance, in the moment that you're doing it, you start to straighten out. And I I mentioned it earlier, but I kind of brushed over it. It's the same way you learn to walk and talk. You didn't know anything about you were walking, learning to walk, kinesiology, physiology, physics. You just noticed that if you Mm -hmm. leaned too far to the left, you bumped your head. So you just Mm -hmm. kind of shaped up. It's Mm -hmm. the same principle here. So playing with options really helps, and we can talk about uh, a very specific option that uh, your listeners can play with if you want.
2: Well, I, I think um, I want to stay with this a little bit longer because okay. I think you are um, deeply knowledgeable about something that probably most of us tend to fast forward too quickly on, and that's this simply noticing. So when... when the moment's happening, right? And we notice, I notice what's happening to me. What, what can I notice? What kinds of things about myself well, could you, I notice?
3: Okay. Well, one thing is change your language so that instead of saying when I notice it's happening or I notice what's happening to me, to say when I notice I'm doing X to myself.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. I get it. Yep, when it I notice is. I'm doing X to myself. Yeah,
3: whatever the right. X happens to be, scaring yeah. myself. Yeah. When I notice that, one option I have, that you have and your listeners have, is to accentuate that. And that's one of my favorite options because it's, it's fun. Uh, it's just one option to play with. So let's say, for example, you observe yourself. I'm going to make this up. And obviously, I'm not talking about you personally, Kate, you know, anybody on the planet. One observes oneself shrinking from a conflict or hiding from a challenge. You know, a lot of people are really afraid of, of conflict. Uh, but let's imagine you observe yourself shrinking from a conflict, hiding from a challenge. You might try forming then a mental picture of yourself really acting out that feeling. You know, imagine yourself growing smaller and smaller or trembling with fear or hiding or cowering in a dark closet.
2: Or better Mm -hmm. yet,
3: if a situation Mm -hmm. affords you the opportunity. Actually scrunch up your posture or put your head down or go hide in the closet or walk like you have your tail between your legs. If you're creative in the process and playful with the process of accentuating the obvious, you know, if you notice yourself holding your anger into the point that you feel like a thundercloud, accent the feeling, hold your breath, puff up real big, go look at yourself in the mirror. And what that does is it gives the natural you. call them the, That's the term I'm using at this moment. I mean, call it soul, mm-hmm. spirit, prana, mm-hmm. re, chi, ki. It doesn't matter what you call it. That thing that is in your body, the, the real you <laughs> that's inside mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. that one begins to observe the absurd way that you're getting in your own way that natural correction starts to occur so accentuating the obvious is certainly not the only way to do it it's just uh it's just one of the ways and uh I
2: think for well it's it great. sounds like it would be funny you know it may make you laugh or just so have it
3: does, a- many times there's <laughs> a point of absurdity yes but you know and and to do it not just with oneself, but with those you love, to, to play with them. For, with, with, for those of your listeners that are, uh, inner guides, you know, coaches and therapists, to use that with your clients. Play with them. And they can help you accentuate something.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So, you know, so that's re- one option. Are there are there other rec- ideas?
3: Well, first thing I mentioned to you had to do was really shifting your language. You know, mm-hmm. so that you're really using what I call responsible semantics. Really, saying to yourself, owning exactly how you're contributing to your own misery. Okay. Another option to play with is accentuate the obvious. Another is one you alluded to at the very beginning of our call. You just alluded to it. Uh, it has to do with just uh, sh- shifting your thinking from. Uh you said something I can't remember your words exactly but like a, a, a positive vision you know okay. uh, positive narrative the, the difficulty mm-hmm. with that and I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of, of Norman Cousins Simonton Bernie Siegel's work I'm, there's hard data to support that, uh, positive visualization where wellness is concerned athletic performance is concerned works but for me it's always been limited Maybe because I believe it's limited I think mm-hmm. you've got to couple it with an awareness of how you're getting in your own way before moving to that other part
2: so it's so so in this scenario you might um, you might uh, imagine what you really want or the direction you want to go um, right and bring awareness to your habits of getting in your own way. Is that yes, what you're to, saying?
3: Per, to the precise, unique way that you're getting in your own way. let go of what you've heard about how other people do it. That's why it, it's really an extraordinary, an extraordinary degree of awareness that uh, I, basically that I require of my clients uh, and people I train. It's extraordinary because I want you to be able to describe in detail Every time you get in your own way, precisely how you do it, you're unique horror movie.
2: (laughs) Do people resist this, Rick? Do they not want to go here, or do they enjoy getting into it with you?
3: Uh, you know, there's a fundamental tenet of, of operation in the gremlin timing method, which is you begin with people where they are. So, again, a, a frequent mistake of coaches is they'll attempt to pull somebody from where they are to somewhere else as opposed to just saying, accentuating right where they are.
0: Uh-huh. You
3: accentuate where they are and have them via their language and accentuating the obvious and... Just really take a look at where they are. That natural change starts to occur. Then you can have some fun playing with options. That aids the process. Yes. You don't want to rush to that part.
2: Yes. And, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm just aware suddenly that, you know, um, being with them where they are, being with ourselves where we are, I don't hear judgment. From you, you know, it, it seems like it really doesn't matter where we are. Yeah, it's just a it, question of, of um, being able to, to kind of own that and name that and start to play with it.
3: You're a smart cookie. I knew you were, but I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a key element, Kate, is that when people become aware, not only is there a natural correction that occurs, it really does put that, puts that soul, that heart of hearts at the point of choice. point of choice you know with that because it's not for me my job is not to drag a client or student or trainee from one place to another my job is to accentuate right where they are so that they're at choice with it i don't not it's not up to me to decide how somebody leads their life somebody is imploding anger to the point that they're Huffing up like a thundercloud, as I said earlier, I'm going to help them accentuate that and notice the effect on their body, their breathing, how they're scaring themselves with regard to that energy. I want them to fully experience that. And if they fully experience that, it's inevitable. There'll be a slight, there'll be a freeing up of that that energy so that they feel it in their whole body. They don't have to express it. But inevitably, the sense at that point is, "Oh, there you are!" It's just energy, it's hmm. great stuff. And that, when that duality is freed up in that moment, that's why you hear terms like "one feels whole," or "self actualized," or "integrated," right. in the zone, hunky dory, ginger peachy. You know?
2: Yeah, I kind of like your phrase "freed up." You know, when you're freed yeah. up.
3: Yeah. It's a nice feeling. We've all had it, and it's a. But this is a system for for you know staying that way. But the key <laughs> you've really hit on it, Kate. I mean, it's, it, 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 it's just if you get yourself in it really good in the morning, get yourself really centered, free of duality, you head out into the world. It's inevitable that uh, you're you're going to be some blaring horns, you know, and you can't stop that. When that happens, you're going to glitch. Your breathing is going to get shallow, and that's going to be followed by tension somewhere else in your body, wherever your favorite place is, and then that monster of the mind is going to show up mm. and start convincing you that you can't feel at peace again until you get him back, get her to understand your point of view, get them to see that you're right or righteous. All of that stuff, instead of you know, what you know, which is that, you know, feeling at peace is really an inside job.
2: Yes, yes. So, I love that quote, that comment pattern. that you make, you know, feeling good is primarily an inside job. That speaks right to the responsibility that we each have to to understand that if we want to feel good, it's it's the inner work um, that that to pay attention to. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk much more about gremlin taming. I'm talking with Rick Carson today. This is Kate Ebner, and you're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life.
4: America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
1: Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit nebocompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's nebocompany.com.
4: What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email... Please send it to VisionaryLeader at NeboCompany.com. Now, back to today's program.
2: This is Kate. Thank you for being with me today. I'm talking with Rick Carson. I hope that you will write us a note at VisionaryLeader at NeboCompany.com with comments about the show. We'd love to send you a copy of Taming Your Gremlin. Um, Rick is a Dallas, Texas-based counselor, trainer, and coach whose methods for for helping people cope with their inner narrative have become legendary thanks to his programs and his book. Um, He's the founder of the Gremlin Taming Institute. And right before the break, we were really diving into understanding the power of simply noticing, one of the strategies for taming your gremlin. And Rick, I wonder if I could tell you sort of a case example of someone I know who um, wants to do something important in her life and is um, impeded, perhaps, by a very active gremlin.
3: Well, uh, that's a great way to go here. We
2: can get okay. A lot of fun with that. Let's try it. We'll diagnose this situation. Okay. So, so my, um, my friend, um, has some wonderful expertise. Um, uh, she would like to start a business really featuring, um, this, um, healing practice that she's learned and mastered. She's very, very effective with what she does. Um, has a lot of, um, self doubt about, how successful she could really be, um, how much she could really charge people for her yeah. services, um, just a feeling so that she's playing take, small.
3: Remember, I mean, immediately. As soon as I hear the term self-doubt, mm. my line is, I want you to doubt yourself out loud so that I can hear you.
0: Okay.
2: So, so that's where you go. I want you to well, doubt yourself exactly out loud. So I You, you want to just uh shine the light, as you were saying, on, on the gremlin.
3: <laughs> yeah. So if you're willing, be her for just a minute.
2: Okay, I'll be her. Okay. Um, so, as her. Um, so I'm
3: saying, yes, I want you to uh, let me hear your doubts aloud. And I want okay. you to be absolutely positively emphatic, no holes barred. What does it sound like in your head? Started okay. with I. I,
2: I make, am not sure people will take me seriously. Um, I. Um, change,
3: I'm not sure to. I make believe that.
2: I make believe that people won't take me seriously.
3: <laughs> now change it to, until now, I've made believe that.
2: Until now, I may have believed that people wouldn't take me seriously.
3: One more time. Until now, I've...
2: Until now, I've believed that people wouldn't take me seriously.
3: Where in the world did you get that idea? So you get the idea, you see, Kate? Uh, yeah, I
2: do. That's what I'm doing. I do. Okay.
3: So, so we're taking and we're directing that person's awareness.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Inside. Yep. So that they start to observe. Even regardless where that message got started, it doesn't matter. We don't have to analyze it. But you help them see that they're keeping it in place in this moment. I see. And they don't have to try to change it. I'm telling you, I'm guaranteeing there'll be a natural correction that will start to occur. Okay. your assignment to that person would be something like, I mean, we only work for, about, you know, 45 seconds or something, but you can imagine if you've got 45, 50 minutes and you're yeah. really honing in and you give them an assignment, like what I want you to do during the week is every time that thought flies through your head, I don't necessarily want you to change it. I want you to notice it and to accentuate mm-hmm. it and to notice precisely the effect on your body. Your breathing is the focal point. May I say something about that, Kate? we have
0: yeah, 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 please do.
3: It's it's really interesting because you know there's the the fifth. Uh, I tell you, there's sixteen principles in the Gremlin Timing Method. The fifth, actually, the fourth principle is what we call "breathe, damn it, breathe." But that doesn't really have to do with just taking in all of the air that you want and exhaling fully with with belly breathing. I mean, it it has to do with seeing your breathing not just as a regulator of your inner experience, which it is. I mean, basically in the Gremlin Timing Method, we're making life a meditation, life Mm -hmm. a yoga. Uh, Mm -hmm. But your breathing is not just a regulator of your inner experience. It's a barometer. It's a gauge. So that if you're attending to it and it gets shallow, it's telling you, okay, Kate, you're at the front end of starting to make yourself miserable. Mm-hmm. Because when your brain gets shallow, you cut off your body, your awareness becomes concentrated in your intellect, and you become essentially one big brain. You cut off your natural problem-solving abilities. The brain, I mean, the mind has, has some beautiful, beautiful things. fields of fresh daisies, nice memories, but it's got some horrible neighborhoods. Hmm. bad neighborhoods and you spend too much time up there which is one of your gremlin's main tricks think of it as a warehouse you know it may not be bad stuff there's some cool things in the warehouse and file drawers but if your gremlin says well let's just spend your life in this warehouse you miss the sun you miss rainbows you know
2: well I love this metaphor of of the warehouse I also like the 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 horror movie of your future that the girl yeah. one likes to show you. And I, I wonder, you know, okay, I'm back there. I'm still being her, and I'm now doing it. Let's pretend that I'm now doing what you said, and I'm i am really getting into it. Um, uh-huh. I'm t- I want to tell you, Rick, I have the urge to try to problem-solve it or um, try to yeah. fix my thinking. So what do I do? What, what does someone do in this well, situation?
3: Well, first of all, I don't want you to skip to that. It's okay, okay to, to play with options. So remember, option number one is accentuated. Okay. And I really want you to play with that. Option number two is what I call change for change. So that two out of ten times between now and the next time we get together, Kate or Lulu or Joe or whoever it is, what I want you to do is just for the hell of it, in your mind's eye, even if it feels like phony, baloney, contrived, Frothy guff, I want you to go the other direction. In other words, instead of imagining yourself as somebody who uh, is, is basically going to lose it at the unsuccessful or be laughed at or whatever the fear is, fantasize the opposite of that just for the hell of it and act as if. Huh. You know? But I'm hesitant about that, Kate, because I see people jumping to it too quickly.
2: Okay, so that, yeah. that's. And so I want the, the
3: change to be real, not just, and and to last for a lifetime.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's,
3: that's I get why it, I really am the performer. But we, there are lots of ways to play with options. Uh, there's I, a whole uh, section of the book, the first book, "Taming Your Gremlin," devoted to playing with options, and also in a master class, there.
2: We do some of those things. Well, I'll tell you that one of the things that I took from your material a decade ago. Was uh, so I was really in touch with my Gremlin voice and what I had in my mind was the idea that I needed to banish it and get rid of it. Right. Yeah. And and I learned from you that that's that's not necessary at all and not even um achievable, but rather to um think of yourself I at least I think of it as shrinking it or getting it to a manageable.
3: Well that that'll that'll happen. It'll become yeah. easier and easier and easier. Uh I'll tell you, I mean, there are things. Keep in mind, Kate, that when I wrote Taming Your Gremlin, there wasn't a lot of talk about what people now refer to as a gremlin. I mean, in fact, it, it, that term had never been used before. It's become mm-hmm. sort of common parlance. But, uh, I mean, it, I wrote the book before, before Steven Spielberg did his movie. Even. <laughs> so Yeah, <laughs> that term was not applied to this. Thing, and then now there's a lot of talk about it. Well, one of the things I hear from a lot of coaches is, well, I'll just befriend it. Mm-hmm. Well, you can make friends to some extent with that, some of those messages. You know, you can revamp them. But the thing I'm calling a gremlin, is, I had to come up with a name for it, but it's your gremlin by virtue of its intention. You're not going to befriend it because its intention is to do you in. So it's a breath to breath, moment to moment thing. It's been written about for thousands of years. It's in every scripture I know of, not just mm-hmm. the, you know, Judeo-Christian stuff. Uh, but there's a way, breath to breath, moment to moment, to free yourself from that thing and to tap into the really beautiful experience on the inside. There is, and the, the key is to simply notice that Because when you simply notice it, you're in touch with the observer. You're in touch with that thing on the inside that feels perfect all the time. And again, that feeling of peace is the one feeling, the one experience that does not have to be created. It's already in there. All you have to do is
2: quit screwing with it. You know? It's what's left. Yeah. So... I get it. And, 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 um, so I like that you made that distinction about not trying to befriend your gremlin. And when you said earlier, the gremlin's not cute. Like, so don't try to turn this into a pet or something. This is, okay. yeah. <laughs> this is, uh.
3: I really appreciate the fact that you picked up on that. That's, uh, cause that's a key element.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you know, so how, how, what do we have to do with this? I mean, what, what, uh, do we just accept that we all have a gremlin and that our, really our work is about the taming?
3: Yeah, but it's a, it becomes so easy. It becomes a, just really a moment to moment, breath to breath activity. And you know, the first draft of Taming Your Gremlin, when it was first published in 1983 and my wife was typing the manuscript, and when she got to the part about, uh, you don't take, tame your gremlin forever, I was in another room and she said, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but the, I meant what I said earlier, Kate, it becomes so easy, breath to breath, moment to moment, to notice that thing and let it go. If you practice the method, Jane Massingill, the director of the Gremlin Taming Institute, who I adore. And Jane mm-hmm. has uh, trained with me for about 13 years. She's a wonderful Gremlin tamer in her uh, own right. But, boy, I'll tell you, she really drives that point home uh, about practice. And I, I like to think I drive it home, too. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the... Uh, Mm-hmm. It's the key. It's not a static state we're after. I can guarantee that when people practice, their life will get better and better and better and better. It just keeps getting better. At least that's my experience so far. Because mm-hmm. it could all go to hell tomorrow.
2: I don't know. <laughs> that hasn't been your experience so far. No. So you know we've been talking about simply noticing and we've you know talked a little bit about sort of playing with options and um I know that this idea of practicing or or being in process maybe is is yeah. that is that what it is it's understanding that you're never going to get done with this this is part of living um is yeah, that what you mean by being in process But
3: yeah. the being in process kite. yeah I was really glad you uh, Alluded to that, I think it was uh, in a conversation we had prior to
0: mm-hmm.
3: today. You know, but it's just so uh, key because once people recognize that gremlin timing is something that you keep playing with. In other words, you keep the three steps. There's simply noticing. There's playing with options, and there's being in process. Those are the keys to what I call the art of graceful change.
2: Fantastic, Rick, we're going to take a break right now. Okay. When we come back, we will um, tell people more about how they can keep doing this work. We'll be right back. Okay.
4: Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization
1: to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile,
4: radio to thrive by. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network.
1: You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to VisionaryLeader at NeboCompany.com. Now, back to today's program.
2: Welcome back. This is Kate. I'm talking with Rick Carson and we're really digging into this understanding of the gremlin taming method because we want to help you who are listening to really, um, move beyond your self-limiting beliefs and, um, perhaps the way you've organized yourself around some of those. So, um, Rick and I have a few more minutes here and, you know, Rick, I, I wonder, you know, as we're talking about um, being in process, you know, I know that, um, you know, you write about it being, uh, gremlin taming is an ongoing adventure with no finish line. <laughs> I like the way you say that in the book. Yeah. Um, but you also say that being in process is kind of an attitude. What do you mean by that?
3: Well, just to see that uh, happiness is not an entity to be captured once and for all. In other words, it's not like plucking a flower at the end of this long path that you've uh, been strolling along. The path is the path, as they say. Uh, And there's a positive correlation, as a matter of fact, between plucking and withering. So the idea is to recognize that this life is a breath-to-breath activity, as is taming your grandma. It's one breath at a time. You are never more than one breath away from getting yourself feeling good. And that doesn't mean that you'll feel happy as a hoot owl if you've just lost a loved one. But there's a difference between sadness and depression. There's a difference between, uh, being angry at someone and, and, or bottling it up and carrying resentment around. So you feel emotions, but underneath, even emotions that are frequently labeled negative, like anger and sadness, some people label those negative. There can be a fundamental, beautiful feeling of peace in the midst of all that, right underneath it that you can stay in touch with. And that's absolutely beautiful. And you do it by practicing simply noticing in the moment, playing with options, and being in process over and over and over again. What being in process means, Kate, is just simply noticing and playing with options over and over and over. But you get so good at it. It really when I say you're never more than a breath away from basically from feeling good, it's also important to acknowledge you're never more than a breath away from making yourself completely miserable if that's what you choose to do. <laughs> you know? yeah, think, here's something very practical for your listeners. I'd like to just offer this is something people can begin to play with right away. Is really stay aware. Stay very aware of the surface of your skin. It's a, uh, just stay aware of the surface of your skin. You can feel air on your skin. You can feel clothes on your skin. As a receptor, which it is, your skin is a very sensitive, sensitive, sensitive organ surrounded by an energy field, very sensitive. But it's also a boundary that separates you from everything else on this physical plane. So. Within the boundary defined by that skin, you have every experience you have in this life. And so if you can notice how within that boundary you are contributing to your misery, most of the time you won't even have to try to stop it. It'll stop on its own. But if you want, you can play with options. And again, if you notice how you're contributing to your misery, it's going to be probably that you're scaring the dickens out of yourself. Putting yourself down, beating the hell out of yourself, miring yourself in regret, trapping yourself in a concept, or clinging to some resentment. Okay? So, that skin, it's funny, Kate, that's the thing that I get the most letters about. People saying, I don't get the skin thing.
0: <laughs> I think
3: because they're making it too complicated. But more uh-huh. often, letters saying, I finally got the skin thing. Man. You uh, know.
2: Rick, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying and, um, you know, receiving it as, as real wisdom for us all. And I'm wondering, I'm surprised I didn't ask you this sooner, but can you just tell us a little bit more about who you are? How do you come to this work?
3: Uh, I was, well, I, as I said, I've been doing this work for 40 some odd years. Uh, I was actually the clinical director in the early 70s of a polydrug abuse program in uh, Chicago, and it's one of the first jobs I had after graduate school. Uh, and it just became real clear to me, real clear to me, that regardless of the presenting problem, ultimately I kept getting with people down to this fundamental duality. And of course, I noticed the same was true for me. It seemed to be true with everybody I had a conversation with. I didn't introduce the term gremlin, uh, for a while. Uh, it was like in the late 70s and didn't write the book till 83. But,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know, it, it just, I, I just saw it. It was just very clear to me. And then I started training therapists and drug counselors and, uh, it just, it's interesting, Kate, because taming your gremlin has never been a blockbuster. But it's in many, many languages. It's been a consistent seller for HarperCollins for you know thirty years. That's a very unusual track record. So you got to kind of be ready for it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're saying.
3: Yeah, Uh, but I hope I'm, I'm not, and I'm married. I've got a a son who's thirty-five who lives in California uh And there's not a word, not one word in any of the books or any of my audio programs that is not completely totally true from my personal experience
2: so you None. really you've learned from your own life and pra- practicing
3: with, and practicing in my own in my own life for sure and practicing with thousands of people you know uh, yep. and if it's not true from my experience if i don't know it for sure. It won't appear in uh, any of my, so yeah. that's, a, well, that's a done, it's funny because I there's so much I probably i am not confident about, I'm not, you know, but I am 100% confident in this method.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know. I am too, I'm 100% confident in your, in your method and, and um, you know, it's, it's uh, really, really um, clarifying, actually, to talk with you today and to hear you go into some more distinctions about the process itself. And certainly it's going to inform how I come forward with my work from today and my own life, of course, as well as with my clients. Um, and I wonder, um, Rick, for people who'd like to dive deeper or have you know more experiences with you and your work or perhaps with the Gremlin Taming Institute, where can they go for that?
3: Well, the, they can go to tamingyourgremlin.com. And uh, I do want to mention Jane Massengill, who's the director of the institute. Uh, is she teaches a course called Level One uh, in the Gremlin Timing Method? It's Mastering Your Craft, Level One, and uh, it will begin again September 26th. It'll meet approximately every Wednesday at uh, it's nine. A.M., I believe, uh, Pacific Time. Yes, that's right. Uh, okay. And they, people can register for that on the webpage. I also want to mention, if people want more immediately, for one thing, they can go get a copy of Taming Your Gremlin and or a master class in gremlin taming. But there are two new YouTube videos up. Good. And people have done a lot of videos on my work, but th- these two, one is called Taming Your Gremlin Part 1, and the other is Taming Your Gremlin Part 2, and those are actually me, if folks want to hear more
2: from me. From I, you. Okay. Good. Well, I may do that myself. Um, Good. You know, I want to say thank you to you, and, um, you know, for those listening, my guest today, as you know, is Rick Carson. Um, his methodology is, um, you know, perhaps um, both simple and and profound and certainly a life practice from my own experience, I hope you'll give it a try. And go ahead and and pick up a copy of the book or go to a YouTube video. This is really fun and also important work to do. So thank you uh, very much, Rick, for being with me today.
3: Gosh, thank you for your genuine curiosity and just your whole manner. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much.
2: My pleasure. Have a great week, everyone.
3: All right.
1: We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.